But um, you always hear about the three wise men. Always hear stories about that at Christmas. But I don't want to talk about those. I want to talk about the three wise women. There's three of them. And they're wise. They're wise because they made very wise decisions in some difficult circumstances all around Christmas. So I want to tell you about all three. The first one had a, had a major disappointment. The first one, first lady, had a massive disappointment. And because of this disappointment, she had two choices. She could either become bitter or she could allow that to make her better. She could become bitter because of the disappointment that she faced. The second lady had a major, major change that happened in her life. She couldn't figure it out. She couldn't believe why they were selecting her. And it was a major change that could change everything. And she could either allow fear to get the better of her, or she could trust God and have faith. And then the third one, this one's fascinating, um, she, she experienced a major loss. And because of this loss, she could have decided, well, since there's nobody to love, let me go do my own thing. And she decided she was going to redirect her love toward Jesus. Three ladies, all three of them incredibly wise because they made wise. How do you know when somebody's wise? How do you know when somebody's wise? You look back in their lives and you see the decisions that they make, and their decisions reveal whether they were wise or whether they were not. Wise people make God-honoring decisions that when you look back over their lives, you marvel at how they face that kind of situation and still made it through well. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the first lady I want to talk about is a lady called Elizabeth. Everybody say Elizabeth. You got it. Elizabeth, uh, Luke chapter 1, we, we see her. She enters in. It's the time of Herod. There's her husband. He's a priest. His name is Zachariah. So you have my boy Zachariah married to my girl Lizzie. Her name, full name is Elizabeth, but for sure we're going to call her Lizzie. And Lizzie um, have been faithful to God. She's loved God. Zachariah's serving God. And they're both doing everything God wanted them to do. But she had one prayer request. One big one. God could you please grant me this one request? And the one request she had never got answered. What do you do when you've been praying for something for years upon years upon years upon years and the thing you're praying for, God does not answer it? What do you do? What do you do when you want this Christmas gift and it's not under the tree tomorrow morning, but it's the only one you really wanted and it's not there? She had to face that because she wanted a son. She wanted a child, and she couldn't have one. And everything in her strength, every day she got up and prayed. Every day she got up and she fasted. And she said, God, will you please give this to me? Would not happen. And she could have easily gotten bitter. She could have easily become resentful. She could have easily been so mad at God, she walks away from God and says, I want to have nothing to do with you because I've been doing the right things and you have not given me what I want. She could have done that, but she did not. Because later on, you're going to find out, her husband, go, as a priest, he goes back and starts offering sacrifices again. But this time, everybody was wondering, why is he not coming out? 
He's taking a long time. And back in the day, they were nervous because a priest could go in, and if he, was, if he had sin in his life, he would, he would have been struck dead. Therefore, they would have to pull him out, so they all had a little cord that they, when he walked in, he walked in hoping he was righteous enough, and if it didn't happen, if he died, then they'd have to pull him out because he didn't make it, and he tried to offer sacrifices on our behalf. But this time he waited, and he waited, and when he came out, he couldn't speak, couldn't say a word. Because God had told him that you're going to have a child. No, he in, inside, he's wrestling with God. I'm too old. Mama too old. This ain't going to work. You cannot. This, this is not true. This must be the devil. It's somebody else. But this is not going to work. Because I know how old I am. And I know how old she is. And this is not going to work. So God says, because you talk so much, I'm going to make you not be able to use your mouth. So he comes out. For real, true story. He comes out and he can't say nothing. So all he has to do is hand gestures. It sounds, it looks something like this. <laughs> Couldn't understand what he was still saying. So he had to wait and he did not open his mouth again until that baby was born. All because God had a plan. Even though Elizabeth thought she was way too old. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that have been praying for something for a long time and it has not come to fruition and you're about to get mad at God or you already got mad at God and now you're so frustrated that frustration has become bitterness and that bitterness has now turned to resentment and now you either want to walk away from God or walk away from church, walk away from anything religious because how could a good God not give me what I want when I've been doing everything he has asked me to do? That's the challenge many people face. That's the reason why many people walk out on God. So I want you to pick it up, and I want you to see what she did in verse 13 and in verse 20. Pick it up, verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. But the angel said, do not be for your has been heard. In other words, here's the good news. In the midst of your praying, don't give up and don't stop praying because, here we go, here we go, here we go, because delay does not mean denial. Just because God delays something does not mean He's denying what you want. Let me remind you, there is, there is a difference between no and not yet. Everybody say those two words with me. There's a difference between and not yet. No, kids don't get it. When you say not yet, every kid thinks no. And they walk around with an attitude mad because they heard the words not yet. And not yet means I want it. Here's what they want. I want it now. Right now. If I don't get it now, it means I'm never going to get it, which means I'm going to throw a big attitude, which means I'm not cool with you, mom and dad, because you're not giving me what I want. The problem is, as adults, we grow up thinking the same way. God says, not yet. You interpret it, no. And therefore, you do what kids do. Here's what all kids do when they hear not yet, because they think it's no, they do this. And you do it, you just have a different way of doing it. All kids do this. Adults do this. 
See, this is why I don't trust you. This is why I don't like you. This is why I don't like you. Because you didn't get what you want. Uh, Elizabeth is going to tell us, and she's going to teach us. Listen, listen. Here's it. Delay don't mean denial. Say that twice with me. Does not mean. Last time. Does not mean. She had a major disappointment. Well, we all going to have a major. If you want a disappointment-free life, then, then hurry up and ask God to take you to heaven. Because in heaven, there is no disappointment. But if you're not yet in heaven, there are going to be some tears. If you're not yet in heaven, there's going to be some disappointment. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some struggle. Because we're not there yet. That's why he had to send his son. So that he could set us free from it. So the first lady is Elizabeth. What she teach us? She teaches us that in major disappointment, you can still trust God and not become bitter. You can still trust God and not let your anger turn into resentment, turn into bitterness, turn into I'm walking away from God. But then there's a second lady. Her name was Mary. She had major change. Here goes a 15-year-old young lady. And the angel came to her and said, hey, you're going to have a child. To which Mary said, you have lost your good mind. I'm 15. I've been loving Jesus. I'm also um, I'm engaged to this dude, and we're going to get married. Are you saying I'm going to? So, so please explain to me what am I going to tell him because I ain't never slept with him before. So how are we going to explain that? So Mary gets overwhelmed, and now she's gripped by fear. And now she has to do and deal with the issue. I have a major change coming. I am now afraid because I'm not up to this task. But here comes an angel telling me I am the favored one. Mary almost said, she didn't. This is extra biblical. She almost said, I, I don't want to do that. That's too much weight on my shoulders to carry the Holy One of God. Why would I want to do it? So what gripped her? Fear. So fear gripped her, so then there are four things she struggled with. Number one, criticism. Can you imagine? Everybody going to criticize her. I knew you weren't all that godly. I knew you weren't. You've been sleeping with somebody on the side, haven't you? I know you weren't. Mm-hmm. We all, the, can you imagine when the church mothers heard? The temple mothers. They showed on this. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's this person. Well, I think it's, I think it's this person. Can you imagine when she had to go tell Joseph? What do you tell Joseph? Um, see, what happened was, what do you tell your own mama? Whoa, 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 whoa. Aren't you supposed to wait until you get married? What do you tell her? What do you tell your dad? What do you tell everybody else? So she had to go away. When she got pregnant, she had to go away for a little while. But she faced the fear of criticism. She faced the fear of um, the supernatural. What's going to happen to us now? What? How am I going to get pregnant? And you say, God's going to be with me? What? That don't make sense. See, for many of us, listen to this, you read into the text the stuff you already know, the story you already know. Can you imagine if you heard this for the first time ever and it happened to you? How does this happen? How do you explain the Immaculate Conception? I don't know how you explain that. I don't, but how am I going to tell anybody? Nobody's going to believe me. What do I do? She had to wear that. She had to carry that. Number three, inadequacy. When I say inadequacy, here's what I mean. Can you imagine? You're going to house God. That means I have to be perfect. 
That means I got to make sure every word that comes out is perfect English. That means I got to make sure I can't lie ever again because I'm carrying God. How do I do that? Don't read into the text what you already know. It is an extraordinarily fearful environment. And yet still this 15-year-old girl manages it. The last one was she had to carry and worry about all this change that's going to take place in her life for the rest of her life. What do you do with that? That becomes her issue. And yet still, Mary did not, she didn't bend. She said, God, whatever you say to the angel, whatever you say, may it be. And she allowed her faith in Yahweh to drive her and not her fear. I wonder if there's anybody here who's still allowing fear to drive you. You're making all your decisions based on fearing what might happen next year, what somebody else might do, what might happen in the future, as opposed to trusting God who already is in the future and knows what exactly is going to happen. Mary had to trust him. But then there's a third lady. The third one, the most fascinating one of them all, if you ask me, is a lady found in Luke chapter 2. This one, not a lot of people know about her. Because this one, she tells a bold story. Her name, Anna. Anna. Anna, oh, she's an incredible young lady. She got married early, but her marriage only lasted seven years. And then her husband died. For the rest of her life, she was a widow. And for the rest of her life, she served God. What do you do when you have extraordinary loss? And now everybody that you want to love, they're not there to love. So you don't know what to do with all this love that you have. She had no relatives. So now she has all this love that now she has to redirect. And she has to give it to God. What do you do when you face loss? When you face pain? Well, then for the next 60 plus years, this young lady said, I'm going to serve God for the rest of my life. When she saw the baby Jesus, she said, wow, I've never seen this before. And then she says, I'm going to tell everybody I know about him. In the text, it talks about a chair, the spirit of Elijah. Everybody know what Elijah is? I'm going to teach you about two chairs today that you should never, ever, ever omit from your life. There's one of them should, that should be at your table every single time you eat meal as a family every single time. One is a chair of hope. The other is a chair of rest. Everybody say this with me. One is a chair of? The other is a chair of? Last time. One is a chair of? The other is a chair of? The spirit of Elijah. Remember, Elijah never, Elijah never um, passed away. He got caught up. The reason every Jewish family um, have a chair, an empty chair, at their table, listen to me now, is because of the chair of hope. The spirit of Elijah. Here's what it says in the text, Luke chapter 1. It says um, that the, with the spirit of Elijah, he's going to take the wayward and make them right. He's going to take the crooked and make it straight. He's going to take those who want nothing to have with God and make them turn around to have a relationship with God. What does that mean for you? When you have an empty chair in your house, here's what it means. It means, God, whatever is wrong this year in my life, I am asking you to make it right. 
It's a cheer that you're asking everybody around your table tomorrow. You're saying to them, hey, tell me something that you didn't like that happened this year that you want the Lord to turn around. And now you can read and now you can pray that prayer based on the spirit of hope that comes from the spirit of Elijah. So everybody here, when you have somebody that's missing, maybe it's a loved one that is no longer here today. Here's the good news. If they know Jesus Christ, it's a cheer of hope because absent from the body means they're present with the Lord. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Let's say somebody that you didn't like and you're almost glad that there's an empty chair there. Then there's still a spirit of hope. Why? Because of that person, they have made you stronger today than you ever were in your life. So you can tell God, thank you for allowing somebody in my life. And maybe you're, you're a parent that um, one of your kids have gone wayward and they're not here today because they're choosing not to be here today because they're choosing to go do something wayward. Now it's a chair of hope that all of us can pray and say, God, will you turn them back to the things and to the way of the Lord? And now you can say, will you please, God, do what only you can do, which is to take a heart and turn it back toward you. That's the spirit of the spirit of Elijah that comes with the missing chair. Number two, there's also another chair. As we saw Zacharias, he's going in and he's making sacrifices for the people. There's another chair. Every priest had to go into that tabernacle and they had to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. Listen to this, please. But in the tabernacle, there's a lot of furniture, lots of furniture. But there was no chair because the priest's work is never done. Never until the high priest showed up. His name is Jesus. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth. When he showed up, then there's no other need for any other priest to make intercessions for us because he is the one that now makes it at the right-hand side of the Father. But here's what my Bible says. My Bible says that now he is seated. But he is seated in the throne room of God. So now what he does is he makes intercession on your behalf so that when the devil brings up shame on your name, he says, no, 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 I remember when they got saved and since they're covered in Jesus Christ today, then I'll take on their shame and give them the freedom they need. When he sees and the devil makes, makes an accusation against you that you should be guilty, Jesus says, no, 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 I know that one and I'll step in front of them. Father, you give me the punishment. I already took it so they can walk in freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, the good news about that chair that's high and lifted up is it's the chair of rest which means you don't longer walk around with guilt you no longer walk around with shame you no, walk, you no longer walk around with failure you no longer walk around with any of those things because Jesus Christ died on the cross to set you free from every last one of them so two chairs you must never forget at your table tomorrow you should have an empty chair which means you're praying for the things you're hoping for. Tomorrow you must also remember. Whatever you, that's happened in your past. Whatever it is that's happened that you despise. That you can't believe. You made an unwise decision. You can't believe. Jesus says oh there's another chair in heaven. Because Jesus Christ today is seated at the right hand side of the father. Remember the word seated. Which means it is finished. 
which means your sins in the, in, the, in the future, in the past, and in the present, it's finished, and he has taken them all away. In light of that, he says, you get to walk around not worried, not frustrated, but rested in who Jesus Christ really is. Now, there's a group of people in here, though, that don't know him yet. And if you don't know Jesus yet, no wonder guilt, fear, shame, hatred. You feel that sometimes. The good news today is the reason he sent that little baby called Jesus is to set you free from every last feeling of guilt and shame that you have. The reason he does it is to invite you today because he is sitting at the right-hand side of the Father, and he says to you, if you want a relationship with me, I am ready. My arms are open. All you have to do is accept me, faith alone, Christ alone, for the remissions of your sins. And I will be the one that intercedes on your half to my Father when the devil and the enemy says, that's a bad one. I, there will be a day where I will step in and say, I know him. And because I know him. I can have a relationship with him. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the invitation is open. And as we go to light these candles right now, you need to know, here's what these candles mean, that now if you know Jesus, you can be the light, a glimmer of light, a glimmer of hope that Jesus Christ was to all of us. You get to now be just a small flicker in the dark places where you go. So as you get your candles, pick them all up. Go ahead. Pick them all up from under your chairs. I want to read one passage of scripture for you. Don't stand yet. Stay right where you are. I want to read one passage. When you get it, no, stay seated, stay seated, stay seated. Just get it from under there. Everybody get it. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. And let me read one passage. Here we go. What's this passage, everybody? The text says, I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. Watch this, watch this. Next verse. Watch this. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it for the... Everybody say this word to me. For the... For the... For the... The city has no need for sun or moon for the glory of God has illuminated it. Ladies and gentlemen, there's coming a time in the new heaven and the new earth. Where Jesus Christ says, I'll be the light. There will be no darkness ever because I'll light the place up. Until then, you're supposed to show everybody in the world what it looks like when a Christ follower walks into a dark room and illuminates that light. So as